Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Willicum. Welcome to Parent in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern-day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Hey, Rob... And can you say Josh? Whittaker? Adam. Good girl. Wales. There we go. Yes, Swansea. Swansea. Yes. Swansea, bud. Uh, This is Arabella, who's 17 months. Great night. Uh, Love the podcast. Got me through the hardest of lockdown days. And even more so now, we're all stuck in with the vid and a teething toddler. Oh, no. Uh, saw Josh and Swansea last weekend. Love the show. Hope to see you both in Cardiff next year, as it's on my thirtieth birthday. Woohoo! I'm in. I'm doing Swansea this year. Why are you coming to that? Go to Swansea this year. They're stuck inside with the, the vid, mate. Did you? Which venue did you do? Because there's a new one. I'm doing the arena. Which yeah, is I a know. New I one. saw your face when I got off the. Um, it's it's so new, Rob. It, it wasn't even open when I got off the train. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So new. Yes, yeah, a new new one. I'm so doing I don't Swansea. Know where I was Swansea Grand? Is that what it's called? Yes. But anyway, there was a picture of you and Catherine Ryan when I got off the train. What were we doing? It was like Swansea Arena coming soon to Swansea. Oh, right. So, like, but not us together. No, no, no. Yeah, like it's just pap, this like long lens picture of you and Catherine off, Ryan. Yeah. Park, big yeah. media scoop. <laughs> I think it should be up for that, Catherine, as a, like a sort of PR stunt. We could pretend to have an affair just for, and then actually we just go, no, not really, but our shows are on sale. And that, do you reckon exactly. that Exactly, yeah, exactly. We'll be making a big announcement about our relationship at Swansea Arena when it opens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be a big serial ceremony, you're all invited. When are you doing Swansea, Rob? May time. May time. <laughs> Sometime in May. Sometime in May. You'll be uh, one of the first people ever to play it. Well, yeah, it's sort of the last few of my tour that's been rescheduled that I started about nine years ago. Swansea the 12th of May. Um... How are you, Rob? How is Disneyland? You don't know yet because we just recorded. This is the last one before you go to Disneyland. Yeah, the last one, last pre-record. I'm just going to go and pack now. How far off getting in the car to go are you at this so moment? At the moment, it's 20 to 11. And yeah. what we're doing is, because we're flying early Sunday morning, this is Saturday, we've booked like a little room at Premier Inn. So we go yeah. in, we're getting picked up at 4.30 today. I haven't packed yet. We should be done here about 12.30. So I've got a couple of hours to pack. But I couldn't bring myself to pack because I wouldn't enjoy it until I had the test done. So we're a yeah. little bit behind sketch, but I couldn't yeah. bear to pack and get start to get overexcited about it. So what, what's, um, your, what's your hotel room set up in the US of States? Two double beds, one room. 
in a hotel. And so does that mean when your children go to sleep, you can go to sleep? You have yes. to go to sleep. Yes. So basically, but what our experience from Disney last time is you're knackered right, at the end yeah. of a day. So you're and going you to go to bed at 8.30. Yeah, we're not going to want to. But the good thing is because we have another couple, the plan is that when one of us is tired and one of us wants a drink, then we can take turns in going out. I'll go out with um, Steve and Lou go out with Jess and vice oh, versa. Because I'm yeah. planning on going to the basketball. I'm going to go to an Orlando Magic game. That's fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. It's only half an hour away from from uh, Disney, so we're going to go to that as well. So that's the plan. So either when you're in with the kids, you sleep. I think it'd actually be quite good, though, to go to bed early. That's a good way of not having to try and do the full nine-hour change as well or whatever it is, six-hour difference, is that if you're going to bed at 8.30 and getting up at five, it's not the end of the world. No, exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's the plan. But I'll, I'll let you know that didn't work out at all when of I course, get back. Yeah, uh, of course, fine. <laughs> when, the, the, when what happened happens. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're off. We're off in a few hours. So I'm, I'm excited oh now. But I've got to focus. I'm getting into holiday mode. I'm going to start drinking beer and not doing my job, Josh. When are you going to have your first drink? I've never been so excited about a pint of lager at a Premier Inn before. Are both couples doing Premier Inn? Yes, we're doing Premier Inn the night before the flight leaves Gatwick tomorrow. But I'm very much looking forward to a pint and no but some terrible food at the Premier Inn. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think that anyone's <laughs> going to take offence at that. I think that's accepted by the Premier Inn. Yeah. Even yeah. when, uh, you know, Lenny Henry did the adverts, he didn't mention dinner. Are you a flight drinker? I'm not really a flight drinker at all. On my own, like for work, absolutely. Um, really? If, yeah, I love getting smashed on a plane. What, on your own? Yeah. So what do you do, just sit and drink alone? No, no, I'll ring my mates to get them to meet me halfway. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy one just over the beautiful, just over the Atlantic, do you? Yeah, see you half hour. No, but no, not, I'm not. Like, I'm not getting like boot. Like I'll have like a few beers and try, or try the little drinks with like while I'm watching a film or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's nice, isn't it? Not absolutely hammered, but we, I want with kids. And normally when you, but we're getting picked up in a cab, so I'm, I'll have a couple of drinks. I'll probably have a Bloody Mary because it's an early flight. Yeah, so nice. if it's an early flight, I'd have a Bloody Mary, maybe then a couple of little like cheeky drinks, like a couple of beers or whatever. But on a night flight, I'll probably have a glass of red wine with whatever food they give you and then try and sleep. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Do you think I, no, can, I, sleep, you, you... I can sleep upright? I'm fine. Can you? I can sleep anywhere. How can you sleep upright? I, it's meant, I got in the back of a, um, uh, I was, get, I was going, doing it on tour and the tour manager has got this like people carrier thing and it's a big uh, thing, but it's almost a bit like a minibus. The seats don't, yeah. it's not really like, you can't really like lay back in it. It's sort of, you're quite upright like a minibus. And I yeah. literally sat in it, put my head down and I woke up on the M4, which is about an hour and a half from my house. <laughs> and I literally woke up and I was in Bracknell and it, it was the closest I've ever been to teleportation. Was, was this pre or post kids? Post kids. Is it just that you're exhausted now? Yes, pretty much because I'm exhausted now um, and just learning to sleep when you can. Because, you know, our diaries, when you do our job, you sort of awake a long time. So you could be doing office work or meetings in the day, but then gigging late at night, 10 or 11. And then you're driving home till two, three in the morning. So I'm very good at sleeping when I need to in the day. If I get even if I've got 20 minutes, I'll do breathing and listen to something calming just to try and have a little almost like a conscious power nap. Right. And that to try and just calm down and breathe kind of thing. But actually, I got so good at being calm and breathing. I've been going on stage too relaxed and it was actually worse than being too stressed. You can't go on stage relaxed, Rob. No one wants that. (laughs) No, no, but like, not relaxed, but like too relaxed. When you're not nervous, that's when you are shittest as a comedian. Not you. I mean, one. True. When you're not nervous or you're too nervous. So it's a, it's a, a, a balancing act of you want to be calm before you do something that's stressful. But when you're doing that thing, you want to engage in that, either being like, I'm on this, I'm focused or I'm excited about this. And then it lifts your energy up, I find. Yes. Anyway, why do I keep starting these so seriously? 
Sorry, we talk I about someone gentle. fucking falling over or something or doing a shit somewhere. Yeah, do you want some, do you want some emails? Yeah, come on. Okay, let me find it. Like yes, Lord Chuzel talking about Bill Gates' access to computer and the impact that had on his career. Fuck off. Yeah, Rob. but we soon turned it round to talking about his pandemic, Rob. Get our <laughs> point across. Yeah, 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 exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Have you got um, a couple of emails? Yes. Do you know what? I haven't read this one, but it starts my missus will kill me for telling you this. So shall we go with it? Oh yeah. But down to running on absolute empty when my daughter was only a few months old. Here you go, some sleep. Middle of the night, she's screaming and needs a bottle. So I run in to save the day. What felt like a good few minutes of feeding had passed and suddenly she erupted again. Unsure of why, I turned the light up to help me see, only to find I'd filled her entire ear with formula. Oh, I've done the ear before. Watching the football. Yeah, watching the England game. She was sat in a, in a high chair and I didn't realise it was in the ear. Oh, oh but He did a whole bottle in the ear. He did, he did three minutes in the ear, Rob. That's mental. Get this, no, that... get this. I put so much in, it was coming out the other ear. That's bollocks. No, yeah, that I've, is... added that. I've added that bit myself. <laughs> I was like, that is bollocks. Don't ring up with shit. Don't lie to us. Ring up. Email him. Whatever it is you've done. Send a message. Uh, that is from Mitch. Oh, oh God, Rob, the England game. I'm now worrying again about Lapland on the day England play Wales, Scotland or the Ukraine. You've got you've got enough months to sort that out, mate. Just uh, ring Lapland and try and move the date. Yeah, I, I see if they can. The first. And they'll or, go, why? And I'll go, I can't tell you the reason. Well, yeah, exactly. If it's a night game, you might be fine. What? How long is Lapland? It's not the time to get into it. Okay. Lapland might put a screen up. That'd be fine. I don't want to watch it with Father fucking Christmas, mate. <laughs> He must be quite stressed watching the World Cup draw. It's like a job sheet. Oh, I've got to go there again. <laughs> Hi, Rob and Josh. Just to further Rob's anxiety about rides, I oh, have fuck. one word to save your life. Go on. YouTube. Right. My 12-year-old daughter is exactly the same, but now watches the rides on YouTube prior to a visit <gasps> and then knows that she'll be safe on and what she still doesn't fancy. Okay, that's a good... So then there's no anxiety because you know what turns are coming. Yeah, this would have helped with a Disneyland Paris visit when age five, when she insisted she wanted to ride the Finding Nemo-themed Crush's Coaster. I desperately wanted to go on it, but didn't think it would be suitable for her. My husband, however, pushed forward, and I was left with a two-year-old. Imagine my horror when 15 minutes later, part of the ride runs outside, and I just saw her terrified face being thrashed around at 50 (laughs) miles an hour, travelling backwards. I can still see her traumatised face coming out of their ride, howling loudly, basically on her hands and knees. Dot, dot, dot. Hilarious exclamation mark. <laughs> I, think, I think with rides, you cut, there's no point rushing them. Yeah. Anyway, genuinely, YouTube may help you. Okay, I'll try YouTube. Um, brilliant. Well, um, should we introduce our guest then, Josh? Yes. And then, yeah, next when, when, the next episode, I'll be able to discuss Disney um, for everyone who's interested. If you're not, don't listen to it, but um, it'll be good to, to have a little uh, rundown, I think. I'm planning no anecdotes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, are you doing anything on our little Easter break? Are you just with the kids? Uh, well, I've cancelled my birthday because it's too cold. Oh. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? What's your birthday? I was going to have birthday uh, drinks in my garden with the pizza oven, Rob. Yes. Today. Oh, yes, your message yeah. is... Was that, oh, yeah. that going to be today? Yeah, because that's when you saw it. It's your birthday you know today. When it, was, when it was snowing on Thursday, I thought, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure this is the week for it. <laughs> um, sorry, is it happy birthday today? No, it's next week. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Happy birthday for next week, Josh. Thanks, mate. And then I'm going on a stag and then I'm doing some tour shows. Can I say something about birthdays when you're a man with kids or yeah. like, or as a bloke? I just don't give a shit about birthdays, no, mine or anyone else's. Far. Is that me? it mean? Rose asked me what I wanted and I thought, I really, I don't know. Do you know, do you know what I want? Everyone to fuck off and leave me alone. <laughs> you... The kid. Now I don't want to go for lunch with you and the kids. I want you all just to fuck off for a bit and let me sit here for an hour. I don't think it would be nice if she took the day off nursery on my birthday. I don't think that's. <laughs> um, this is Kate Ferdinand. A really good interview. Kate's brilliant. She doesn't do many podcasts. She's got her own podcast launching, which is great. And she uh, talks about being um, the stepmum to um, some children and having her um, biological child. Um, she's uh, married to Rio Ferdinand, who um, was a, you know, obviously a very famous footballer, but also, unfortunately, um, his first wife passed away. And it's quite um, a bit of a trigger warning um, for anyone with this. We talk about grief and looking after, um, you know, being a step parent and stuff. But he's really interesting, really funny. But there are moments that if you are um, dealing with stuff like that, it might be a bit tricky for you. So just a heads up. But uh, here's Kate Ferdinand, and I think she talks brilliantly on what is quite a sensitive subject. Kate Ferdinand, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm really good, thanks. How are you guys? We're very good. Very excited to have you on. Lots of, yes. do you know what? Lots of people, when I've said we're doing this interview, have gone, that is that is a good booking. That is going to be yes. a good one. We've had oh, lots shit, of requests for you, me? Kate. They do know you. You're very <laughs> yeah. popular, Kate. You're doing amazing things for blended families, which I've been told about a thousand times when you've been asked. People have been asking to get you on, Kate. Um, but yeah, no, we're very excited to have you on. Um, how are you, though? For people um, listening, um, what's your setup indoors with kids? How many kids in the house? Okay, right. So I have, there's four kids in the house. Yes. Um, I've got three stepchildren. Lorenz is 15, Tate is 13, Tia is 10. And then I've got my biological son, Cree, who's maybe 14 or 15 months bad. I can't remember, but 14 <laughs> or 15 months. You put yeah, me on that's the spot all right. That's, it's only a month. I thought you were going to go, he's mainly maybe three or four years old. I can't remember. That would be. <laughs> yeah. I've got the years right. Don't worry. So you've got, yeah, so you've got your stepmom to those three uh, kids and then you've got your own, uh, your own son. Yeah. And perhaps that must be hard, though, having that you've got to deal with your te- the teenagers, but then also baby age, because it's quite a jump, yeah. isn't it? It's a mad dynamic. And we were just talking about this the other day because I think everyone thinks babies are harder, but for me, the, te- the baby doesn't keep you awake. Well, they do sometimes keep you awake at night. Yeah. But I worry a lot more about the teenagers. The teenagers give you the sleepless nights. The babies just drive you mad all day. Oh, that's yes. not what I want to hear. I thought we were getting through the difficult bit, Rob. Oh, no, Kate, you're, you're in here for hope. This is not ideal. Um, Sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm starting to disagree with all these people that said this was going to be a good episode. This is going to be the end of me. Everyone thinks they get easier with age, but with a kid's different age, different, different problems, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And how old, how old are you when you, because their dad, Rio, how old was you when you were with Rio? Like, what age did you meet them? Okay, so I met Rio, for anyone that doesn't know, his wife passed away um, when the, a few years before I met him. And I met yeah. Rio, I think I was 26. Wow, that is young, isn't it? To be a stepmom, isn't it? That's, in, that's intense. It was intense. It was crazy. Um, and I think where I hadn't had children before, I thought, don't worry, I'll breeze it. Like, it's fine. I really underestimated the job ahead. Mm, yeah. Um, it's hard, but listen, at the end of the day, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's an absolute mental house if you come yeah. around here. 
It's crazy 24-7. So many personalities, a baby screaming. T oh, it's just, it's mad. But it's amazing at the same time. So you said, like, before that, you were kind of, you thought, I'll breeze this. What was it like, the kind of first, did you, you must have heavily planned the first time you met these kids, right? Yeah, we met, and we met as a friend, actually. Right. So I have got a friend in common that they know, the kids know. Um, yeah. And I just went around their house and, um, yeah, they didn't know that I was talking to their dad at this stage. They just yeah. thought mm. there was a lovely lady there and she had a chihuahua and I, they really liked dogs. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they called me the woman with the dog. Um, and that was my little <laughs> in, I think. They liked the dog. And I just kept turning up everywhere with the dog. <laughs> just um, turn up with more and more dogs every time. Yeah. Just to... <laughs> um, but they got to know me before they knew that I was talking to their dad, if that makes sense. And and then they were involved in that process. So Rio said to them, you know, I quite like that girl with the dog. What do you think? Shall I ask her out? And then they oh. were involved from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, so it's yeah, a sort nice. of, oh, that's really interesting way of doing it. Because also it's, it must be so difficult because, you know, some with blended families, which is a new term, isn't it, blended families? I've got two stepbrothers and that didn't exist when we were growing up. But it must be hard because it wasn't with my mum and dad. My, my dad was married before. So it's a sort of bit awkward because it's sort of a new, a new marriage. But then they're still like suffering with grief, the kids. So it's, it's an even more charged dynamic isn't it it's tricky and you you know what i always say this is not a rule book so you're just winging it and just hopefully trying to do what's best i think you make mistakes along the way um you realize you could have probably done some things differently but i, I feel like it's the same as being a biological parent you are going to make mistakes you're learning yeah. on the job but you're just trying to do what's best for the kids really yeah and so then you kind of met them and you're the woman with the dog and then kind of Rio asked, um, should I go on a date with the lady with the dog? And then he found out your name. And then, um, <laughs> and, and, and so when, did, when you kind of start becoming uh, Rio's partner, does that put you in a weird position with them where you didn't know how to address them? Do you move, you must have moved over time into this kind of position of authority almost, but it must be a long journey. Oh, yeah. You know... At the beginning, I suppose I was just their friend. I was the fun one. Whenever we went out with dad, we'd do fun stuff and I'd bring sweets around and I was that kind of person. Mm. Um, but I always was quite firm from the beginning, actually, um, just because they're three kids and you've just got to rein them in sometimes, haven't yeah. you? Uh, <laughs> they gang up on you after a while. Yeah, you're out Even my two little girls already, they're only little and they started bashing me up and tickling me and Listen. I can't stop them. You've got lots more to come because the, the older they get, the <laughs> yeah, smarter yeah. they get. Oh, um, no. They try and outsmart you. But, yeah, I think when I moved into the house was when I kind of maybe moved over to a bit more authority. It was hard. They, they probably thought, who is this woman coming and telling us what to do? We've been breezing it before. But at the same time, it helped give them, like, structure, I think, and boundaries. Mm. And although kids don't know this, I feel like they do thrive off of that and they become more... They, with their mum, they always had a lot of structure. She'd pick them up from school. It was all very regimented. And I just brought a little bit more of that. So I felt that that made them feel a bit more at ease. I think kids love structure and they love to know like who's picking them up or what, what, when they're coming home and when they've had that so much uh, you know, turmoil and sort of every, every, the whole world got thrown upside down. If all of a sudden, you know, their dad's sort of really happy and then they're meeting the, the, the woman with the dog and it's sort of <laughs> a distraction and everything's a bit more fun. I think actually that that, that sort of, there's someone there who's quite solid and will be, he's there every day and, and, and that regularity I think really helps, doesn't it? Yeah, they need that stability. Um, and it was, it was hard at the beginning 
but my main thing was I tried to just get to know the kids. It wasn't just about me and Rio. It was yeah. about having my relationship with the children as well um, and finding out about them, doing things that they loved and ganging up on their dads sometimes. They found that quite funny. Yeah, I'll and bet. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, just, just getting to know them really. And that's yeah. how we formed our relationship, I suppose. Was you a bit worried about, you know, having when you had Cree, like bringing in another sort of like a sibling and child and into into the family? Would you ever, ever concerned about that or were their kids just straight away excited and buzzing for it? They were really excited, the kids, but I was really, really worried. I was thinking, you know, Cree's going to call me mum. I haven't really been mum in this house. I'm always yeah. Kate and that works well. Um, but now I'm going to be mummy and how are they going to cope with that and what do I do? Like It was more me that was worried. The kids weren't really showing me those signs. Yeah. Um, but I just bought, bought loads of books, you know, like for Tia, when I'm going to be a big sister and sh she was part of everything. She bought his first outfit to come home in. So oh, that's nice. Again, I just made them part of the whole process. It's not like mine and Rio's thing. It's our family thing. Yeah, of course. Did you feel, though, when, when the baby came, that you obviously you can't give the older kids as much attention because they're off going to school and things like that, and you've got that baby in front of you. Was you a bit worried that you might be sort of, like, spread a bit too thin? Oh, my God. Thin? Seriously? Spread <laughs> so bloody thin? Oh, my gosh. I remember it was like, I think I was in the hospital for five days, and then it was maybe like three days before Christmas I came out. Now, I'm normally like dancing around the house, singing Christmas songs. I'm a bit crazy. And I just remember I had an emergency C-section. I don't want to be graphic, but... It wasn't no, ideal. We love, all, no. we love all details here. This is the place for it. <laughs> it if, you wasn't be, great. if you're going to be graphic about your C-section, this is the podcast. And I don't say <laughs> that lightly. That's what we built this podcast for, right, Josh? That's the only reason we're doing it, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't great. I was in a lot of pain and I had this baby. I couldn't really pick him up or do too much with him because I was in a bit of a bad mm. way. Um, and I just felt so guilty on the kids. I just felt tremendous guilt. I felt like I couldn't be who I needed to be for all of them. But I think yeah, I put yeah. that pressure on myself. Like I always put pressure on myself to be perfect and the best, and it's just impossible to keep up with. We talk a lot about like you know what you do for the kids or how you make them kind of feel comfortable with it. But there's this whole other side of it, obviously, which is that you're someone who's in her kind of mid to late twenties, and you're taking on these three kids, like, and taking on this whole kind of family, this kind of ready-made family. And that's a huge pressure on you. And that's a huge thing to suddenly go, oh, I've gone from being single to this whole thing. And that must have been quite tough for you to deal with as well, right? Yeah, when I look back, it was hard. It was hard. But I've got this mentality that, you know, I love Rio. And if I love Rio, then this has to work because I want to be part of everything. I wouldn't want to be like a half-hearted stepmom. If I mm. love him, I love the kids. Mm. I just need to be part of everything. And do what's best for them. So it was hard and God, this is still up and down sometimes because the children have been through so much, but that's just my life now, I suppose. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just so happy and grateful to have them. Do you talk to them about their mum and stuff like that? Is that a re that must be a really difficult thing to kind of know how to broach and deal with. You know what? Their mum is a massive part of our lives and always will be. I would never want the children to think that I'm taking the role of their mum. Mm, mm. I am like a maternal figure to them. In a way, I am, I'm like a mother figure to them. But their mum's their mum. And so she is part of our life all the time. And we talk about her all the time. I've spoke about this before. And I say it's really weird, but I kind of feel like I know her. Um, mm. Because for me to be the best parent to my three stepchildren, 
I feel like I need to know her and know what she would do and be able to speak to the children about her. So, yeah, I, I embrace all of that. Yeah. And is Mother's Day a difficult day for you and the family? Oh, God. I, my first podcast, just so you know, is based around Mother's Day and it's a yeah. really emotional episode where we I speak about my struggles and we hear from lots of other women that struggle. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, so normally I find it really hard because Rio's lost his mum and the kids have lost their mum. And it was hard for me when I wasn't a biological parent. But last year was my first Mother's Day with Cree and I thought, bloody hell, it was the hardest one yet. Because I kind of felt this feeling of, oh, my God, I'm, it's my first, like, official kind of thing, Mother's yeah. Day with Cree, and I want to be celebrated and well. But at the same time, oh, my God, everyone in my house had such a big loss. And yeah. I just couldn't balance it. I was an emotional wreck last Mother's Day. Um, really, really bad. But I think it's more just, you know, I worry about everyone. Because you feel guilty and you shouldn't feel guilty. Because yeah. you, you, you're allowed to, you should be allowed to be excited about that with your, your, your baby and stuff. But it's just, it must be difficult in the, in the house. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. a balance to find. But, but actually, this Mother's Day, I've never said this ever, I'm actually quite looking forward to it because... Um, we're just going to have all the family round. And I think the more you add pressure on the day that it's Mother's Day, it's Mother's Day, it just reminds you of everything that everyone's lost. Yeah. So we're just going to have a day with the family and just enjoy it that way. And hopefully it'll be okay. Your podcast called Blended, which is where you interview other people that are in similar kind of situation or different kind of blended family situations. And when did you think this kind of became a thing that you wanted to really not just throw yourself into in the family, but feel like this is something that I need to talk about publicly and this is something I kind of want to bring to people's attention. Basically, when I met Rio and the kids, it was like a really unique situation and I just did not know where to turn. I felt like I was just, oh, I just didn't know what I was doing. I'd be Googling things like what do you do on this day or what do you do? And I just, I didn't know anyone in a similar situation, basically. So I couldn't relate to anyone. And as much as I spoke to my friends and other people and they tried to help, I just always felt re really, really alone in what I was feeling. And I, I sort of, you know, put a th few things on social media at different times. And then we'd done a documentary about becoming a step family. And I was just overwhelmed with the amount of people in similar situations and who felt like they needed help, but didn't know where to turn. And... Yeah, so I started Blended. It's kind of like therapy for me because I'm meeting people in similar situations. I'm like, you know, getting everything off my chest, but it's helping so many other people as well. And and to be honest, for the first time in a really long time with work, I feel really satisfied and like I was meant to do this. So out of all this crazy situation that is gone on, I felt like some good has come out of it and that I can help other people. I'd say as well, Kate, because, you know, I used to watch Towie, I still do, and you were on Towie and, and then you left Towie. And it's like all this got like, you know, you became like basically became like getting with a marrying like one of the most famous sports people in the country. It was a step family. All the you know stuff about their Rio's first wife was in the papers. It was this huge, big thing. But then and you had to be a stepmom now, like a biological mum to Cree. And you must have lost yourself a bit in that because you were all these labels apart from just Kate and her job. And it's quite interesting to see where you went from reality TV to where you are now. Where do you think, if you hadn't met Rio, where do you think your life would have gone? Do you know what? How you've put that is absolutely how I felt. Um, like before I was on Towie, I had like a normal job. I worked in the bank, I organised events. And then when I went on Towie, I felt like I kind of lost myself a little bit. I had like a very, 
I had a breakup on bloody national TV, which is never ideal. Um, <laughs> don't always show your best side when you're doing that. No. Um, it was a great episode, though. Good TV, Kate. <laughs> got the views, so I just looked a bit mental. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I feel like I lost myself. I lost myself in that whole process, in, in everything. It's like mm. I completely got, was overwhelmed with, with, you know, the kids and Rio. And one thing about going out of Rio, who in this house is made to feel like a very normal man, let me tell you, but outside... <laughs> everyone thinks he's, he is a legend and you kind of get lost in that because I've yeah, always it's had relative my own compared life. to Manchester United's current defence though isn't it you know what I mean that's not something I would say listen um, I'm not, I, I try to get involved in the football but I yeah. don't know everything okay yeah, yeah yeah they're not the best at the moment Man United no, it's, it's brilliant it's um, so much fun and, and going out with someone so famous you can lose your identity anyway because everywhere you go everyone goes how's Rio how's Rio yeah. in the end I go bloody hell I'm fed up I love him but I don't yeah. want to talk about him everywhere I go so yeah I lost I lost it a little bit um, and, and this blended and has really helped me you know figure out I feel like I was just meant to do this mm. I've always felt like I was meant to help people but there was a lot of judgement from being on a reality TV show mm. and things like that but you know I feel like I'm where I'm meant to be Kate, you seem totally different to the people that are on there now. Like, with, you're quite private with your kids. Like, you know, you don't put the kids' faces on up much and, you know, you're not really putting them front and centre on social media and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of people in reality TV still do that. Is that, is that a, um, a conscious decision to do that? I mean, when I met Rio, he'd already... Him and Rebecca had already made that decision. Um, yeah. But I do agree with it because I feel the children have been through a lot and... They're entitled to just be kids and, you know, not have everyone know who they are and just have a normal mm. life. Uh, they've been for enough. I just don't think their faces need to be plastered everywhere. Yeah, yeah I agree. No, totally, totally understand. Is there people you've spoken to on the, on the podcast? Obviously, every situation is so different, but there must be other people that you've learned really, like, interesting things off. And as you say, it's like, a, it's in a way quite a small community of people, but... Is it really useful to be talking to people like that? You know what? It's actually, I think one in four families are blended now. So I didn't realise how many people mm. are in this kind of world. Mm, yeah. And I learned so much. Like I've spoke to some like professionals and just everyday people. It's not just about celebrities because, you know, everyone's going for it. And yeah, I feel like I'm learning so much. I come home with discussions at the dinner table with the kids uh, yeah, I've learned loads, really. What have you learned from this podcast, Rob? Um, what have I learned from this podcast? <laughs> you can't broadcast hungover. That's what I've learned. You fall apart, Josh. And we're not very good at finding out who's asking the next question. <laughs> We've never been good at that. I don't think that'll no. ever change, though. That's no, just exactly, who we are. That's the reason Michael's there, isn't it? To make us look professional. <laughs> and um, how's, how's, how's it going? We with... did it again. Oh, you go oh, then. Go on, Josh. Well, yeah, go on, go on, you go. Well, you, I'm just saying, you asked the last one. Normally, it's one each, but if you want to do two in a row, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have anything to say, Rob. I felt there was a pause. I thought I need to say something. And then you started. I interrupted you. It was a disaster. Um, what I wanted to ask, so how's, how's it going with Cree now? He's getting a little bit older because he's sort of not the baby baby stage anymore. He's becoming a bit of a toddler. Are you taking him to classes and things like that? And is he getting into uh, stuff? Yeah, we go to classes. Um, he's at nursery now because I've started uh, working sooner than expected and he's at nursery, he's loving it. He rules the roost in this house. He's like, God, he started with those, you know, the head swings, the tantrums. Yeah. Kids bashing oh, wow. the head on everything. Oh, um, no. But he's, he's full of life. He's so loud. 
Um, I think he, they, everyone in this house fights for attention, so he's like the loudest out of the lot, which is saying a lot because it's a loud house. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's a happy little thing. And what's the school run looking like for you? Who's in, who's in charge of the school run? Obviously, how, how do you split the parenting with Rio? Is it dependent on workload and stuff, or do you have to find roles with school runs and stuff like that? No, do you know what? The big kids have started getting the bus to school now, the right. uh, bus to school, which is unbelievable, let me just say. <laughs> the, the school run, oh, my God, I can't stand the school run. It really stresses me out. Do you guys feel like that? Well, my daughter's a nursery, so it's, it's only the nursery run, but luckily they don't have, like, a deadline for nursery. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm not... And I'm like, this is stressful a bit now. late, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> get there at three. But do you know is the good thing, like a... Rob, is that I can I can combine drop off and pick up if I drop her late enough. <laughs> if I drop her at quarter past three, I could just hang around fifteen minutes and take her home. <laughs> no, but I, my main school run thing is I'm like, this is stressful now. But when there's a nine a.m. deadline, I am in big trouble here. Well, when the um, school run was at its worst, Kate, when it was at its, its peak, when they were too young to get the bus, what, what, what were we doing? Two or three different drops or were they all at the same school? How bad, how bad was it? They're all at the same school. It goes from like primary all the way up to secondary. So it's not right. too bad. It's just the getting out of the house on time. And then when Cree come along and I couldn't drive, um, no, it, we just changed it to the bus. They get on the bus. They quite enjoy that. Like it's a school bus. It's not um, a red bus. And... And then I just take Cree to nursery. Um, but going back to Rio and I, he works quite a lot. I've started working quite a lot, to be honest. But we, when we're both here, we share the role. Um, yeah. It's quite equal, to be fair. He's really good. Really, really good with the kids. And the um, holidays and stuff like that, obviously it's been COVID and things like that. Is it hard keeping a young... Because of the, the gap, isn't it? The big gap, age gap. What's the age gap between Cree and the, and the, and the next one? Uh, 10 years, 9 years. 10 years. So do you find yourself, if you if you do go away anywhere or go out for the day trip, one of you is off with like, you know, the older ones and then one's with the babies. Is that difficult, finding stuff to do that they're all happy? Yeah, it's, it's impossible. But we yeah. all stay together and at one stage, some of you are going to be bored. That's just how we, we do it because... It's impossible. The kids, the big kids, what we kind of do is we can entertain Cree for an hour and then get on with what, what the big kids want to do. <laughs> um, or I just try and do stuff in my days off in the week with Cree that are a bit yeah. more babyish, And then at the weekend, do more with the big kids. But he gets bored. They get bored. What can you do? You've just got to get yeah. on with it. It's really... Di- I mean, I've got a difference between a four-and-a-half-year-old and a, and a nearly one-year-old. And the difference there is stark enough that you go they're not you can't entertain them together the thought of where you would take a 15 year old and a one-year-old to have a great saturday there's your business idea rob i don't know what it'd be <laughs> yeah are you finding your relationship with the older kids changing slightly now they're teenagers and there's hormones involved does that as it as it changes to are they still is it still pretty pretty good you know teenagers grunt don't they they just go yeah. you're going more and they go mm, mm. that's how they talk to you but they find me annoying, probably, because um, all I do is moan at them because they just leave all their stuff on the floor. But it's really good because where they're getting older, I don't know, it's like a... How do you explain it? It's a, it's a really deep relationship. We talk about in-depth things. I don't know, I'm, I'm loving it, probably the, the best it's been so far. Um, oh, good. You know, we get we all have our deep night chats every night. They come in my room, we have a chat, and, yeah, it's, it's at a good place. But they, you know, they're 13 and 15. They think they're 20. They think they're really grown up. It is funny. And is there stuff... Do you think, in a way, it makes it easier to talk to you because you're kind of... Because you're Kate and you're not, you know, their blood relative? Is there a way where you've got that way where you're slightly... 
an easier confidant in them for that situation? That's a good question. I don't really know. They do confide in me with a lot of things and I've never really thought about, is it because, you know, I'm Kate and not their mum? Um, I don't know. I think maybe we've just built that bond where I'm quite, I'm really open. Mm. I think being in this situation, you have to be really open and we share everything with each other. And we've just created that like space for communication. So yeah. I don't know really the answer to that one, but whatever it is, it works. Oh, that's good. I'm worried about being a confidant to a teenager. I don't know. You're, got... you're worried about everything, Josh. I am worried about everything, Rob, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll need to be my confidant. Every night, I'll go and sit in their room and I'll tell them about my worries. That's not going to mess them up at all, is it? Dad's crying at the end of the bed again. <laughs> he doesn't know what bin it is for the recycling day. The thing is, though, you'd prefer to know than not know. That's what I say to him. Like, whatever you're yeah. going to tell me, I prefer to know than, you know, find out another way. Would they ever say, I'm going to tell you this, but you can't pass this on to my dad? Yes. And have All you ever time. passed it on? Children, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes I do, depending on what it is, but sometimes it's just not worth it. I just yeah. think whatever, I'll deal with it myself. Yeah. As a step-parent, what is it with, like, you know, rules for the kids, you know, like screen time or going out late or coming back or stuff they do? Like, do you feel like you can sort of tell them off or give these ground rules or or, or is it something that you sort of you need, you feel like you should be running past their dad before or after a while? once you're all sort of settled in does it, it becomes more relaxed but they must be quite awkward at the beginning if you think their behavior is not suitable it's hard to sort of say you know what every family's different so but for our family from the beginning rio said you know their mum was strict and she disciplined them and you can do the same so from the beginning i've been firm but fair and i i do i'm, I'm moaning at them constantly I'm, I'm like a mother figure to them. Like, as you see a mum would, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. I love them, I cook for them, I moan at them, I hug them. Everything that a mum does, I do. And I am strict. Um, and I think, yeah, I've said it, but I drive them mental because they just leave their stuff everywhere. And all I do is moan. But, yeah, it's just normal to a normal parent, I suppose. And do you do what are the um, do you have um, any sort of oh, they're too old for that now but do they do they do, you have, do they have little jobs for pocket money or we have a pom pom jar for the little ones where it's like if you're good do good listening you get a pom pom then it fills the jar and you get a I suppose you can't really get that past a fifteen year old but is there like <laughs> I love the way you job. said for the little ones as if we were worried it was going to be for your wife we've got a pom pom <laughs> jar yeah for Lou. <laughs> Yeah, no, we have jobs in the house. So we have like a chart on the wall. It gets very political at times. Right. And they get pocket money and they have to do between washing up surfaces and what's the other one? Clearing the table and make their beds. And they all, they all share the washing up surfaces and clearing the table. So you haven't got a dishwasher? Rob, if you see the amount these kids eat, they're teenage boys. They're eating like double the amount of a man. The amount of food I have to cook yeah. is crazy. So it doesn't all fit in the dishwasher, unfortunately. I'm just now thinking, when I've got a teenager, my job amount is going to go down. <laughs> I'm the surfaces guy. I'm the, I'm the dishwasher guy. They probably can't stand me. They wipe the surface. They don't do it properly. I say, we're going to keep coming back and doing this until it's done properly. And sometimes right. we do it three times a night. Really? Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I suppose because like, you and Rio both came back from like fairly humble beginnings and then obviously your lives have changed massively. So the kids are having very different lifestyles to you guys. So is that, does that, is that something that you and Rio sort of, you know, are aware of and want to try and keep them grounded? You know what? We're so fortunate. Rio's worked hard and we, we do live a lovely life. And it's hard when you, you know, we, we live in quite a big house and we, we go on lovely holidays to 
keep the kids grounded. So mm. the way we do that is by, you know, they've got to have jobs, they've got to clean up after themselves, they've got to make the beds, they've got to do things. Well, you know, we don't get them everything they want, absolutely not. We, we could try and keep them grounded in that sense. Yeah, of course. But yeah, good, it's it's difficult it? though, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you, you want them to be like, you need to take this, you know, you shouldn't take this for granted. But then when you were growing up, like, you know, there's, it's, always, it's all relative basically, isn't there? Where you may not have had a bigger house growing up, but there's always food on the table and stuff like that. No one's going to you, you you're taking that for granted eating. You know what I mean? Where there's some people that that's a struggle. So I think it's all relative really, as long as they're sort of polite and, you know, they do do some jobs and don't take it, don't take the piss too much. Because that's the worst yeah. fear, isn't it? A horrible little kid and you just like sport brat. Yeah, and they're so well-mannered. They're so polite. But yeah, they don't know any different, do they? This is the life they've lived in, so we can't blame them for that. But we just need to teach them how to live without us, I suppose, so that they, when they do grow up, um, they know how to do everything. And do you... Um, this is a big question. I, I, do you know what? I was going to wait, but I, I need to ask it. I <laughs> did Crystal Maze with Rio Ferdinand and we won the main thing. How often does he mention that and how big is it in his trophy cabinet? Do you know what? I can sing it right now. I, I hope so. I knew it would be a big deal for him. No, we're, I'm in the back room. I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great acoustics in the toilet, so that's where I record from. Um, yeah, I've, I heard that he'd done that, to be honest, and it's sitting on the side and oh, that, that's it. I'm sorry. That'll make Josh feel better. Champions League trophy, Crystal Maze with Josh Riddick and Sarah Cox, another Champions (laughs) League trophy. That's how it works. Um, What's the social media rules for the kids? Uh, Because they're teenagers now, so they're obviously aware of it and probably want to have it. Is it um, something you've spoke to them about and things like that? They've They've got social media, but just private accounts. Yeah. You know, like kids, I think as a generation, we're bloody obsessed with socials, aren't we? We all just can't, yeah. oh, well, I can't. You just end up going on it all the time. Um, but yeah, they're on it all the time, apart from they have to put their phones outside their room at bedtime. Oh, do they? Oh, so yeah. they're on the landing. Are they just yeah. sat- I've got a big charging pack and it charges like everyone's phones and it's on the landing and they hate it. But otherwise, they end up staying up all night on it. So they have to put it outside on charge at a certain time. And have you ever snuck a look at their phone while it's on the charging pack? Yes, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I look at their phone sometimes. Listen, with kids, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So every now and then I have a little look. They know I do because I'll, I'll, I'll tell them. i say, I looked at your phone and I saw this. Um, but you've got to keep an eye on them, especially mm. with social media you don't know what's going on. You don't know who they're talking to. So, yeah, I do have a little nose every now and then. But that's difficult, though, because as they get older, so, like, you know, what age are they allowed it in their rooms? Do you know what I mean? Because really, the truth is, kids or adults, we shouldn't have our phones next to our beds or be scrolling in bed. I do it, obviously, like everyone, but it's not good for you. So is there a temptation to put your phone out there as well with theirs to carry it on for longer? Yeah, but when my alarm goes off, it's going to wake up the whole house. How does your alarm go off if your phone's outside the room? Two words. Alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> there are other oh ways. My God, <laughs> no, Rob, she's got you there. There's no way of having an alarm without There's your phone no being way. next to you. Kate Ferdinand is waking up without a phone. There's no way. How did people wake up before 1993? Oh my God. What is wrong with me? I said like Get a cock crawl. Get a cock crawl. It <laughs> wakes you said, up. You said it so cocky. Like, oh, how do you think I'm going to wake up, Rob? Thank you. Good night. Checkmate. <laughs> Oh my god, shit, I'll get an alarm clock. <laughs> well, I was thinking about getting one because I, I go on my phone and before I know it, I've looked at it for an hour when I'm supposed to be going to sleep. So I was I was tempted to get an alarm clock and leave my phone in the I've on the landing. It. I've done it. Have you? I've got an alarm clock next to my bed yeah. that I've used once, 
when I did it for one day, and now I've just got my phone set as an alarm. Right. I mean, I'll be honest with you. In the last four years since having children, I haven't needed to set my alarm once. That's the other problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what time do they wake up? What's, what's, how's Cree sleeping at the moment? Is he all right? Last he... night was horrific. Like, oh. he sleeps so well, but he's a bit ill today. And last night he was up every half an hour, which is so unlike oh God. him. Um, but he sleeps normally from 7pm, he goes to bed, and he sleeps till... 5.36, 6.30-ish, depending on what day it is. So you don't need an alarm, really, do you, if he's getting up then? No, but I have to get the big kids up early. And I like to go to the gym early as well, sometimes. So what so time do you normally get up? I get up at six every day. Right, OK. And then, yeah, if he slipped in a bit. Um, yeah. So And then the kids, the kids are up at, what time do they have to be up and out? It's really early. 20 past six, they wake up. Whoa! I know. What time, what what time are they doing? Hosting a breakfast radio show? That is early <laughs> for a teenager, isn't it? They're slow. They're very slow. They like I say, right? We spin up. They leave up. the house at eleven. <laughs> now, it takes them an hour to get out of the house, so they leave. Uh, we leave early in this house. The school's a little yeah. bit further away. They're quite slow in the mornings. They're really faff around, and every time they go to leave, it's like, hurry up! If you could hear me, get down the stairs. What are you doing? Where's your pee kit? That's all we do. I'm shouting for five minutes. Oh, God. I'm dreading it. I'm dreading it a little because my, my daughter's uh, six and she's already coming home and going like, oh, I don't want to. She used to love school. She still does, but it's been going, like, oh, I don't want to go and I don't like doing my handwriting because they all get a bit conscious about certain things. Some, you know, because like anyone, you're, you're good at some things, you're not so good at other things and they get a bit anxious about stuff like that. So it's, it is hard because they're not very good at communicating straight away. That's what I try and tell my daughter. Just let me know. Just let me know where you, you can you can notice their behaviour. They're not happy about something, but you've got to try and pinpoint it. But it must be so hard when you've got there's four kids in the house. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, but, you know, I always start by going, I don't feel good about this today. Like, is there anything you don't feel good about? And normally they end up telling me, you know, with kids, you always know when there's something wrong with them. It yeah. just sometimes takes it a while to, for them to actually tell you, doesn't it? But do you think, do you think taking all this on at 26, it was a bit like you, it was better you did it then than at like 36, just because almost like ignorance is bliss, like the naivety of youth. You were just like, oh yeah. And took it in your stride where I think maybe if somebody a bit older, you might have gone, God, that's a lot to take on. Yeah, I was very naive, very naive. <laughs> and it's a good job I did do it early because um, now it's it's not a walk in the park, but it's, I don't know anything different. Whereas if I'd had my own children before, I think it would have been a lot more difficult. Did you make any sort of like mistakes early doors when you were still trying to work out what worked best for the family? Oh my God, it's the same even with Curry. Like he's one and I make mistakes. I make mistakes, loads of mistakes probably. It's weird when, you know, you're moving into a house and you, you do know the people, but... You haven't lived with them, but mm. it's not just a partner. It's three kids as well. So everything's like up and down. How did you uh, like approach sort of moving into the house? I mean, is it, is it a different house now? So tell me if it's too much, like it's too personal. Is it a different house to the one that they lived in with their mum or is it the same house? No, it's the same house. Mm. And that was hard because obviously it's their family home. They've got lots of memories and ooh, there was lots of Rebecca stuff everywhere. Um, right. But... I had to think of the kids. Like, obviously, I really didn't want to move in this particular house. My dream probably would be to get a house somewhere else and we start again. Yeah. But it's not about me. It's like the children have lost their mum and if they've got memories here, I just didn't think it'd be fair to like uproot them mm. and they've already been for enough. Yeah, of course. But yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was mad. It was crazy at the beginning. We just have to make sure that everything's right for everyone. And do you feel like you've reached a stage now where 
you know what you're doing with it and everyone feels like they know what's happening? Or is it a constantly kind of developing relationship and dealing with everything that's happened? Is that just an ongoing kind of changing thing? I mean, the grief is ongoing because it changes at different times, you know, depending on what they're going through and stuff like that. But in regards to, like, my relationship with the kids and Rio and where we're at as a family, I think we're really secure and we all know where we're at and how it works for us and it, it works well. We've got that to a good point. It's it's amazing when you kind of dig down into it how much there is to think about, do you know what I mean? And how it dominates just your day-to-day life. It's just that you, you suddenly think about, oh, there's this and there's this and there's school sports day and how they must be thinking at that point about their mum and all this kind of stuff. And it must be... There's not much time you go through where it feels like it isn't present in some sense, I imagine. Yeah, and I, I overthink everything um, because you're always worrying. Like, teenagers are moody. Um, they just are, aren't, I don't know, they're just moody, they're hormones. Yeah. But then you'll overthink it. You'll overthink, like, oh, my God, is it because of this? Is it because of this? Yeah. Like, and you start overdoing everything when really they might just be being a moody teenager for the day. Uh, so it's hard because you do question absolutely everything. And... Yeah. Like, their mum's their mum. She was an amazing woman. And it's a big loss for them. So they, they'll feel it a lot at different stages, I suppose. Especially as they grow into adults as well. Like, you know, if they like graduate from uni, it's the thing where your, your parents are normally there or when you get married and things like that. It's sort of, there's always little... You know, I think Mother's Day is a good example of that because every year at that time, you're sort of reminded of everyone sort of thinks about their mother. And then as you go through life, those moments of when you have your own kids, you think about your parents and stuff. So there's always little reminders here, there and everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And we worry about their journey ahead. And, you know, it's always going to be hard. And it's, it's, it's just tough to know that you just can't make this better for them like I love them dearly like they're my life I can't imagine life without them and all I want to do is make it better but I can't and that's a really hard thing being a parent and not being able to make it better for your kids Kate honestly I think this podcast can be amazing because you know we get so many requests to speak to people with blended families and things like that and we, we always try and get as many people on as we can but sometimes it isn't the easiest thing to talk about especially some you know if there's people being remarried and all all sorts of different things stopping that but I think this podcast could be amazing you've got some great guests on here we're talking about adoption and fostering finding love after loss and and Julia Samuel MBE believing that every family has a story all these brilliant guests that can um you know touch on different aspects of a blended family I hope it's good yeah. <laughs> I, <hope so>. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're if you're open and honest it will be okay because that's the most important thing really but I think especially people in the in the public eye it can always look all sort of super rosy but i think if you're honest about stuff it really helps people listening you know because you you did a great documentary about it all as well which i thought was brilliant thank you so should we get back to the crystal maze (laughs) you're really proud of it aren't you yeah why did he leave leeds (laughs) is that what this episode is going to be called crystal maze (laughs) crystal maze and some other stuff it's called (laughs) and it's it's with dog woman crystal maze and the one with the dog (laughs) Josh, do you want to ask the final question? Yeah, because it, it really, um, I think people will be excited to hear about Rio Ferdinand's worst habit that you haven't spoken to him about. What one thing does he do 
that annoys you a lot, oh but you haven't discussed it yet. But say he was to listen to this, maybe because he thought, I wonder whether I mentioned the crystal maze, that kind of thing. <laughs> that he just can still remember me. Does he still, does he still remember me? By the way, we ask everyone this question, um, yeah. not specifically about Rio, but about their partner. No. So don't feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, no, we don't ask yeah. what thing about Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> what thing um, about your partner? And it's been asked in a more clear way before than it has today, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> what thing about your partner that you haven't discussed annoys you about their parenting now this is i tell him everything there's nothing that annoys me that he doesn't know just so you know okay. and, <laughs> i think you and louise have, would get on have some of them building up just as some of the things you've told you him should recently. Meet up with um, Rose. <laughs> which i'm probably out of order because i say everything i just can't keep it in it's like verbal diarrhea um what really bugs me is when like the other day i say right i'm just going to we might be going out i'm just going out babe were you going upstairs to just sort myself out we just look after the kids and I come downstairs and he's asleep on the sofa and I'm like you're meant to be looking after them you're asleep and he goes oh just rest in my eyes and I go babe Cree's running riot and no one else has gone and you're meant to be looking after him how, how, what kind of time of day is he falling asleep on the sofa? They called him Ferdy Nap. Ferdy Nap, because he loves a nap, seriously. He oh, could really? fall asleep at any time of the day. Okay. He, he oh, fell asleep in the Aztec zone, actually, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good skill to have, though. That's just sleeping yeah. whenever you can, but not when you're supposed to be looking after your kids. Uh, Kate, thank you so much. It's and so good nice luck. to talk to you. It's brilliant. Yeah, good luck with the podcast, Blended. Yeah, really good luck with it, Kate. I think it's brilliant what you're doing. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Kate Ferdinand. Incredible, incredible interview. Not by us, I mean interviewee, should I say. I went quite stiff neck on that interview. Yeah, I know. I, I was trying to loosen it up by bringing up the crystal maze and you weren't going with it, Rob. I was like, what? what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> which one of us is which? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think I think it's because we've had so many people that wanted uh, Kate um, Ferdinand and, and Rio talking about the sort of blended family yeah. thing on it. I was, thought, I was trying to get a lot out of it. Um, but, yeah, maybe I went a bit too stiff. But, yeah, I thought it was great, though. She's so open and honest, isn't she? 26 she was when she took on sort of three-step kids. Yeah. What were you doing at 26, Rob? Did you start a stand-up? Uh, yes, I was three years in. I was think I was in Australia doing The Jungle. Oh, there we go. See, that's the when kind of 26. thing I expect you to talk about. Yeah, well, I can't go, oh, you, you took on three-step kids at 26 and then just do anecdotes of... Lamar from Kajigugu eating fish eyes. No, exactly. It's a bit odd, That's isn't why it? why we save it for this outro. What was he like? <laughs> but Rob, speaking, you know, as the loose neck for, for the day, I've got to ask. Yeah, yeah. You're so loose. You're getting drunk now. A few weeks ago, you was off your face. Now you're just asking Kate Ferdinand questions about the crystal maze when she's trying to talk about the impact of a blended family and dealing with grief. And you're talking about the Aztec zone. I was trying to find light and shade, Rob. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I just felt... Right, you know when a player runs forward out of position? You you were a player who'd run yes. out of position. I was having to cover for you. So when you'd run into yes. the, that position you're in, I was like, well, someone's got to offer the crystal maze questions here. Someone's <laughs> got to talk about quiz shows. Thank you very much, Kate, and um, we'll see you on Tuesday. See you on Tuesday. 